to the Back in Business podcast. I'm business writer and broadcaster, Mickey Clark. He is, and he's the biggest in the business. And I'm the small business journalist. It's <laughs> partly his long-suffering sidekick. <laughs> and oh, you're getting bigger ago. by the minute now. You're getting bigger by the minute now, Mickey, that the pubs are open again. <laughs> I know. I can't see my feet anymore. It's been terrible. <laughs> but, yeah, I've been using the pubs. They've been quite good. I was surprised. But, you know, business is, is not that great for them. A lot of them are suffering because they can't get enough customers in and comply with the regulations. And I suspect uh, course, that's going to be the same for a lot of businesses. The restaurants are saying exactly the same thing. I think the takeaways, that may be, a, a you know, that's a possibility. They will find the same thing eventually too. Uh, my other question is, how are the supply chains holding up? You know, are people still getting things from the suppliers they used to get them from? Uh, are they able to get the things into their premises when they do open up that, um, you know, they might have been able to get before? I think I think for the supermarkets, it's, it's never been a problem. It's, it's, it's because they couldn't turn it around quick enough because everyone was going in and holding. Um, you know, you can only get the stuff into the warehouses and then distributed during a certain amount of time. And once things settled down, it, it, it was back to normal. But certainly smaller suppliers, restaurant suppliers, I would imagine it's more difficult. I think there's probably more being done over the phone or online now. Um, and, you know, people are, are going with the goodwill they've got with their suppliers, which they've had for, for a number of years. Um, the, the, I think the big con at the moment, these face masks, which, of course, started um, last week. And um, the cost of them is horrendous. I bought one at my golf club the other day. He said, why don't you have a pack of three? I said, how much is that? He said, 20 quid. I said, no, I'm not, I, said, I couldn't all wear all three at once. <laughs> I said, I'm, I'm 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 50 for a face, my <laughs> bit of old rag. What's all that about? There's a lot of face to cover there, Mickey. Well, I know that. You know, they're it trying to go, shut you up. It wouldn't fit anyway. My ears were, I had cauliflower ears in the end. <laughs> the, the elastic's not long enough. And we'll my glasses we'll steam up. We'll have to make you one specially. We'll have to have one built specially <laughs> to fit. <laughs> it, might, it, might it might stop you talking so much. Okay, so find us on LinkedIn if you'd like to be part of the conversation or on Twitter where we comment on all the business news as the week goes by or you can email us at contact us at backinbusiness.org.uk. Our Director of Public Affairs Policy and Communications, Simon McVicker, is here. Simon, um, What's your views on the news this week? Have you got your well, well you haven't got your face mask on, but no, I'm sure you've got no, one in your pocket. No. I, I have it in my pocket ready to use any moment. But uh the it was the end of term this week for the House of Commons. They're all on holidays now. But it was bad for the government because the select committees gave their sort of end of term report and four major select committees really did hammer the government's handling of the crises and its preparedness for the economic recession that is on its way. And if I just give you a flavour of this, the Treasury Select Committee said that the government had drawn a line under a million freelancers that had been excluded from the self-employed scheme and warned that these people were in danger of being plunged into poverty. The Culture and Media and Sports Select Committee said that the COVID-19 threat was the biggest threat to the UK's culture and sporting institutions and workforce. And the government's response did not live up to the size of this crisis. 
and its uh, package was late and it hasn't saved jobs. And the Public Accounts Select Committee said the government's response was rushed, chaotic, and its solutions were often one-size-fits-all. And the Welsh uh, Select Committee, led by uh, former Cabinet Minister Stephen Crabbe, said that in Wales, industries were now facing the perfect storm and that there was real prospect of a return uh, to huge levels of unemployment that we hadn't seen in Wales for decades. So these are all committees with Conservative majorities. Three have Tory chairmans, and they're really giving the government a hammering. Trouble ahead, um, Liz. Um, is, the, is the problem with the one-size-fits-all thing really much bigger, perhaps, than we, you know, than we... You know, we've been talking about this, but maybe we should have been banging on about it a lot more. Do we need yes. sector by sector interventions? Well, it, it seems to be some evidence of that. And I know the Labour front bench have been talking quite a bit about this. Um, I mean, I suppose the Chancellor would argue that he had to do something pretty quickly and save as many people as possible. But I think as this goes on, um, you're going to see different people in different sectors um, or people who uh, who had traditionally slightly higher incomes suddenly become real victims. And, uh, I mean, the autumn is looking really crucial now. From what Simon is saying, it's the freelancers like you and me, uh, Simon himself, Declan, and our three guests on this podcast who are really going to be the ones who are left out. So are you saying, Simon, there is no more to come for freelancers? No, there is no more. And indeed, uh, the people on the self-employed scheme at the moment, that's ending quite soon, I think end of August. So they will then be on their own. So the whole self-employed, you know, five million odd, are going to be on their own this autumn. And not only as it comes through that the message from the government is a mixed one that people are confused by, their timing is appalling. They chose last week to announce that as of next year, freelancers, self-employed and small businesses under earning under, I think it's 85000 a year, will be forced to submit their tax forms online. They will need new software to pay for. They will need education, training. And, you know, some of the papers are absolutely scathing about this sort of thing that while people are struggling to keep their heads above all and make their businesses survive, this is the last thing that small businesses want. Yes. And, and there was something else. Uh, they've delayed the review of business rates uh, for, for another year. And, you know, the retail sector said that is crucial to get that right. Uh, but I, I do think there's some interesting signs in the rest of Europe of, of, of maybe the way our government might go. I mean, we've seen Ireland announce yesterday that it's going to keep its furlough scheme going now until the end of April 2021. And uh, it's based on the German Kurt Arbeiter scheme, which allows uh, companies to keep people for a year and get their salaries subsidised. So that seems to be a trend in Europe. Uh, whether our government will go down that route or not is, is, is open to question, but we're seeing it in other places. Um, Declan Curry, our business editor, is here too. Declan, you've been nodding as Simon's been talking and waving frantically. <laughs> What's your take on all of this? Uh, I, it was interesting, I thought, that 
in particular, Simon mentioned the Treasury Select Committee's attack on the government uh, and its treatment of freelancers. And of course, uh, that committee uh, is uh, headed up by someone who used to be a Treasury Minister himself, Mel Stride, who a lot of freelancers blame for the loan charge uh, situation. Uh, but there's a guy who knows uh, how the Treasury works from the inside, having a go at the government as well. Actually, I was waving because I had a money-saving tip for Mickey, which is just tape an old tenor across your mouth. It's going to be a lot cheaper than buying those masks that <laughs> no, they're trying to on the golf course. Hey, hang on a minute, Declan. He'd have to open his, his wallet to get to get a tenor out. You know that tenor that he's got in there has been there for centuries. <laughs> I was thinking more of an old white fiver. Well, like a bed uh, sheet. You, prob- you probably have one of those that you still haven't spent <laughs> since the day that you earned it. But this week, we've we've seen a really strong sign of recovery, uh, and it's come from the high street of all places. Uh, retail sales figures show that shopping has bounced back with sales almost back to where they were before coronavirus struck. Now, big question for economists is, was that us just catching up with all the shopping that we wanted to do while the shops were closed? Or is it a sign that confidence is back and that recovery uh, is on the way? Uh, When you look under the bonnet, the news is a lot less cheerful. First of all, we're doing a lot more of our shopping online than we used to, even though the shops have reopened. We're now doing a third of our shopping on the internet, which is great for the likes of Amazon, great for the likes of Ocado. But if it becomes a permanent change, then it's going to leave a lot of retailers, particularly chain retailers, with far more shops than they actually need. And we're seeing some businesses struggle because of where they are. This perversely might help shops that are in rural areas or in market towns, because when you've got NatWest telling 50,000 of its workers that they're going to be working from home until next year, that's bad news for those cafes, sandwich shops, pubs that rely on office workers popping in. So it's bad for the likes of Pret, bad for the likes of Itsu, and bad for city centres with a lot of office workers. So central London, Leeds, Manchester, Cardiff, Edinburgh, uh, and to some extent Glasgow as well. Who it helps are those local businesses in the suburbs and the market towns because people working from home are still going to want to pop out during the day. They may still want to go out and get a cup of coffee, and they're going to do that in neighbourhood shops that are closer to where they live. There are a couple of other surveys around that suggest recovery is still uh, a little way off. GFK's regular survey of confidence among consumers show that that has stalled this month. Spending in the pubs and restaurants, well, they're open again, so we're spending again, but it's a lot less than we were a year ago. It's still down around 30%. And you look at the sort of analysis of credit card statements and bank transactions, and they show that there's a real caution there about spending on big items like uh, a new sofa or uh, a fridge freezer. I think the comment of the week came from one of the interest rate controllers at the Bank of England, Jonathan Haskell, who said, if you want to get consumer confidence back, if you want to get consumer spending again, you need proper testing for coronavirus. You need proper tracing for coronavirus. That's got to be in place before recovery really starts to bed in. Um, Simon, this is what you've always said, confidence. It's down to confidence. Will the masks increase confidence or not? Well, I don't know. We've been joking about them. 
uh, when you listen to the radio and on some of the people on the radio, they they think it will increase confidence. But if you just talk to your friends, they're saying, I'm not going to go into town and wear a mask when I can just jump onto the internet and do it all there. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's going to help the the big shops in the city centre. Um, you know, the local shops will still have to operate because people need to get their stuff somewhere, um, especially food. But um, I think that, um, you know, if you're going to buy clothes, you might as well just buy them online now. It's interesting. Yeah. I, I drove into Canterbury last week and normally the traffic's impossible, particularly on a nice sunny day. Um, it was empty. And what would be interesting for those retail figures that Declan talked about was if you saw what the performance was once you'd stripped out food sales, i.e. supermarkets, and once you'd stripped out online sales. Because I don't think, judging by what I saw, there are an awful lot of people going to the high street shops. I think yes. they're still str struggling. Can I ask Declan a question, actually? I mean, my sense is the prices are going up, uh, certainly in supermarkets, but, I mean, even on white goods and, uh, and, and, and even some holidays I looked at, I didn't think the prices had come down at all. I mean, do you think this is a problem? Um, it's funny because you're not the first person I've heard say that, and yet the official figures show that prices are price rises are really, really low. Inflation came in at just one half of one percent when those figures uh, came out most recently. Um, Simon, you'll be interested to hear that I have finally been able to book some flights to Belfast for huh. uh, my uh, <laughs> sister's wedding. What for? And oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I shouldn't be laughing, but it's just about the closest place we can all get this, to that has a strip is, of water in between. It, yeah. This is A, a long-running saga, and B, the limit of my travel aspirations now uh, for this year. <laughs> but I'm I'm paying a lot less for those tickets than I used to. That is a good point. Um, Declan and Simon, thank you. We'll hear more from you. Um, but we are talking about rural businesses this week. Mickey, uh, down your way, most people think that's farming, don't they? Yeah, and, and this week, ironically, we, we've started the harvest season. They're, they're starting to harvest the wheat. They're starting to thin out the apples, um, you know, and, and the hops have reached the top of the poles. So it, it's it's all shaping up. I think it's been a reasonable year for, for many of them. But, yeah, you're quite right. If there's traffic trundling past today, it's likely to, more likely to be a tractor than a car or a lorry. So there you go. But rural areas are full of people doing all sorts of different things. You know, there's accountants in sheds at the bottom of the garden. There's workshops where people make everything from jewellery to pottery, um, IT consultants, freelancers from all different sectors. And we've got three of them with us. So uh, Howith is the co-director of the Family Business Network. That's a, a partner for Back in Business. That's based in Cumbria. And Sue also runs her own business. Amy Solon. Solon? Is that right? That's Have right. I got the yes. pronunciation right? <laughs> is a hypnotherapist in Fife in Scotland and develops training and coaching programmes. And Sue Harbottle-Seer runs... Uh, now, Sue, is this Coneps or Concepts uh, from East Sussex? And she helps small rural businesses access the benefits of the digital world. Um, now, we've got a thing here, Mickey. Can I, can I just say that I'm going to call Sue Howarth, Sue H., and Sue Harbottle Sears, Sue S, just so that we can we can keep the conversation flowing. Uh, so uh, Sue Harbottle Sears, Sue S, um, Concepts is helping small rural businesses access the benefits of the digital world. But 
that can be extremely difficult in rural areas, can it not? Because connectivity uh, is a big issue. Yes and no. I th- connectivity really has improved over the last uh, year or so. Um, and it has become a lot easier for people to to go online, whether that is via a broadband uh, fast fibre network or whether that's by simply the phone signals, i.e. 4G, having arrived. So that problem is becoming less. But for those who still struggle, companies such as mine are the way that they can appear online, whether that is, you know, making sure their social media runs, whether, you know, it, it answers their, their website uh, in, inquiries, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and then obviously somebody like me picks up the good old phone and says, "Hello, this is going on. How are we going to deal with this?" So you know, in some ways, sometimes you have to be an intermediary. But for you know, picking up on some of the points, if I may, uh, that have been made, uh, you you talked about the supply chain, and there is such a difference of a supply chain for a supermarket um, to a supply chain, for example, for the pubs and restaurants, which are destination pubs for eating or for visiting in a beautiful countryside. And these pubs and restaurants suffer possibly even more than those which are in the cities and the market towns, because they are a destination pub. You have to travel to them. When they shut down, All their local suppliers were shut down as well. So whether that is where you get your meat from, your dairy from, your cheese from. And we know when we go to destination pubs, one of the key issues is local food with provenance. So this has caused a massive issue for, you know, the wider community too. You know, whether it's the little flowers on the table or whether it's, you know, the supply of hand-milled flour from a local miller. All of this chain has ground to a halt and is really, really struggling to get back. Can I bring Sue H in? <laughs> Sue Howarth. Yes, of course. Um, this is going to go horribly wrong. Does that ring wrong. bells? I know it's going to, get, <laughs> it's going to go horribly wrong. <laughs> Sue, uh, does that ring any bells with you in Cumbria? Supply chains, are they now the, the connectivity issue almost for rural businesses? Yeah, I think... I mean, even when we were in the peak of lockdown, a lot even some of the businesses that could trade and were allowed to continue couldn't actually continue because there was no supply chain to service to service them. Um, and I think now a lot of the supply chain, there are challenges in the fact that they can't open as a business because of the limitations um, of the precautions and things that are in place. So it is a huge. I mean, everything that we've, you've talked about today is is sort of presenting real challenges for the rural communities. Um, and it was interesting you talked about Amazon and the retail. I think for the more rural businesses, certainly in Cumbria, there's initiatives being set up where they're almost creating their own their own Amazon site for all the rural businesses to try and encourage more people to um, purchase through the more rural businesses than than perhaps through Amazon. So. Like, like an online cooperative, is that what you're saying? 
Yes, yes. So there's um, one that's popped up in Cumbria in the last sort of month, actually. And they're asking all, all the businesses across Cumbria, certainly and especially the rural ones, because it's to help with the supply chain, because at least then they can, you know, hopefully sort of get things moving more. Because at the moment, there's such blockages to, to sort of perhaps with their usual businesses that they would trade with. Does that sort of thing rely on a, on a, on a good um, Wi-Fi system? Because, you know, with the best <laughs> yeah, school in the that's world, the challenges. Yeah, it's, so a, the it's challenges, a postcode lottery, yeah. particularly in rural areas. You know, it's not too bad where I am, but you can go down the road, you're in a different area, and it's appalling. Yes, I mean, <laughs> the, there's challenges Mind all you, across that central London. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I mean, as, as soon as you dip into a valley off a fell in Cumbria, then you, you've pretty much lost signal. Yeah. So, um, and presumably that, that present challenges. If, if one of your local suppliers drops out because it's been forced to shut down because all the restaurants and, and pubs have mm -hmm. shut down as well, you then have to travel further, presumably. Does, and I, I would imagine that puts pressure on your cost, doesn't it? Yes, I mean, the costs increase because people have got to travel out of the area or they just, like we said before, they just they just go online and use the bigger players of sort of Amazon and other other reaches. And there's actually a lot of businesses now using those sort of channels to access their supplies because they can't access, access them through their usual supply chain. Um, Amy, you're working in a slightly different field because you're a hypnotherapist, uh, but you are developing training and coaching programs. So presumably a lot of that depends on the Internet, etc. But what's your experience in Fife? Are you, you know, what are the connectivity issues? What are the rural issues? Well, it's interesting both what Sue H and Sue S were saying, um, because I can identify with everything that has been that has been discussed. Um, firstly, in terms of the supply chain, yeah, I, I don't have a supply chain necessarily aside from Wi-Fi, but what I have I've heard a lot through. I'm involved in a lot of different local business networks, and for those who do rely on a supply chain, I've heard a lot. You know, accessing timber, for instance. Um, the the, the work is there um the business is there it's um which is fantastic for for local tradespeople but the supplies are not there so that's a huge difficulty that i've heard from many um people within within my networks um on a slightly different but related point um what i very much noticed within fife as a whole and fife is quite a disparate area it is it it's it's a big landmass with towns dotted around um but what i've noticed in terms of community encouragement and um initiatives i suppose is a huge shop local kind of initiative so that's been really lovely to see so people are not that they're moving away from the high street but i think we are all very very supportive of each other in businesses to refer business to shop locally where we can and in terms of wi-fi for me yes um all of my work is now delivered online where I am specifically, I'm very lucky. My Wi-Fi has not let me down once, which is remarkable considering for four months my work has been 100% online. Um, but that is a few miles up the road, like you said earlier. Um, 
people do not have the same uh, experience that I do. So it's 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 very mixed. I'm lucky, but a neighbour a few streets down is not so lucky. We're on the fibre network, which is an absolute blessing for me at the minute. I, I couldn't survive otherwise. Simple as that. You were not in agreement, Sue. Yeah. Well, both not. <laughs> <laughs> ironically, we think. Ironically, we think we've got an internet connection issue with Sue S. Uh, um, and in the meantime, then um, Sue H. Uh, we'll come back to Sue S. when we when we get her back on the line. It's ironic that we should have been talking about how things yeah. have improved. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, so H though there are other issues. You know, in my head, I always thought about the rural issues as being the internet, but there are lots of other issues that I, people have been talking to me about: uh, the difficulty in finding the right skills, the difficulty in you know getting access to local authority grants, for instance. Finance. Um, you know what? Yeah, the finance, the whole financing stuff, and I suppose even mm. advice and support in the background. So, you know, give us a the rundown, you know, as the family business network, what are you finding? Mm-hmm. What are people saying to you? Well, all the areas you've just mentioned are some of those that, that we're getting, but everything from um, certainly the, I'm going to start with the finance, actually, and accessing the, the grants. So many people have not been eligible, um, into even for the self-employed, because they're a limited company. So they're a director. So one of them myself um, that's something that is is a real issue and I, I know that our MPs in this area have been doing what they can to sort of keep fighting for us because actually in, in this area in an area where you've got 93% of the businesses in Cumbria are small are small businesses um, you know there's a huge percentage of those who have just not been able to access any eligibility for the grants um, the, the more recent discretionary grants that came out, that did help. But even that, um, the, the charitable sector and, and all those, they, they've just not been eligible. So there's a lot of there's a lot of desperate people out there at the moment who are fighting tooth and nail to survive. And it isn't just so much now. It's, it's what's going to happen a few months down the line and, and where is that support going to come from? Um, and... There's certain grants available which might come through different revenue streams going forwards, but they're grants that might have been fed through the business bank and things where you've actually got to match fund. And, and where are they going to get the funds to match fund to help make those happen? Um, so I think in the fund, there's a lot of work that needs to be done on the funding. Um, and there's a lot of businesses because of that are, are actually saying at this stage, can we actually carry on? Can we trade? And and we rely very heavily here on the tourism sector. And, and that's huge in, in terms of there's some major players across the industry here in hotels and other accommodation that are just have really not opened because they just because of the capacity issues and the social distancing. It's and they can't actually then come back to the recruitment. They can't get the the staff or to actually work for them because a lot of our workforce comes from overseas um, and and obviously a lot of that workforce when when we sort of went into lockdown or, or you know naturally went went back to, to their home countries and so we, we we're a big skill shortage here as well um, which 
combined with the funding doesn't doesn't always paint that you know the most positive of pictures but then a bit like anything there are other businesses that are thriving within this this time at the moment but then it also looks what the the big thing for everyone here is actually what's the longer term picture and what support can be put in place for the small businesses the freelancers the limited companies to help them continue and sustain and grow because it's I think I'm it's certainly something within the family business network. We have a lot of businesses coming to us at the moment wanting the rethink, the rebuild, and you know all these words that are there at the moment. But it's a case of trying to sort of keep steering that ship really to to to, to continue for the sustainability. And I you know I really hope through you know thinking of sort of what what support through the government and other areas and the lobbying and things that can take place i mean it's absolutely crucial for us here in the rural communities for that to happen simon simon that's what you've been saying too it's the long-term issue this is not just about the here and now this is about what happens over the next few months yes i mean you know this recovery is not going to happen overnight and i think the government needs to have a fundamental look at, at, at how the country operates uh, including you know um, things like rural broadband etc but also as I've been saying it needs to have a fundamental look at the way we tax small businesses and self-employed in this country as well um, I mean maybe the, maybe this crisis will give us opportunities to change things but I don't you know, know. I just breath. don't know yeah, I wouldn't hold my breath. I mean, the other thing is we're talking about sustainability um, for these businesses. But the point is, if your business has been shut down for three months, four months, however many months, that money is dead. It's gone. You're not bringing money in. And by borrowing against it, you're increasing the hurdles going forward. So in six months to a year's time, the rent will still be there. The, the VAT will still be there. And the tax will still be there. And you've got no means to pay it because you're four months behind. I mean, is that, is that what you're finding, Amy? Do you know what? This all, I'm so vehemently nodding because this rings such a bell for me. Um, not in my particular circumstance, but my husband is, like you, you brought it up, Sue H, about the limited company director. My husband is a limited company director and it has been financially a huge burden on us. And yeah, he was he had access to, gra um, not grants, sorry, he had access to loans, which is great. But like you've just said, Mickey, that all needs to be paid back further down the line yeah. with four months of zero income aside from what what the government very kindly given us which is very little <laughs> um so it's been it's been tough now there has been opportunity from that more from my perspective but for people who have been limited company directors and others um they've been left behind as as from from my from my perspective anyway and it it seems very inequitable how one percentage uh, of the population have been treated in in one respect and others in a different way uh, sue s has reconnected so i know i know we kind of lost you when you had a a really a point that you were pressing to make <laughs> Sorry about yes. that. Yes. And I also want to kind of come back onto what Amy has just said and also onto onto Mickey's comments. Um, you know, the shop local, I'm really glad to hear it's working in some areas. I have to say down here in East Sussex, it is not working that well, despite all of our efforts. 
because the people who have relied on the farm shops, greengrocers, uh, all of these kind of guys to get their flour, milk, whatever, uh, that they couldn't get in the supermarkets, uh, loved us to bits. And now they're all kind of back at the supermarket and the farm shops are now are struggling again. So that is a, a really sad thing to see. And yes, we are trying to push and, and promote as much as we can. Um, but perhaps here in the southeast, so I'm, I'm not that far away from Mickey, actually, in East Sussex. Um, um, I think you've, I, I think you've gone again, Sue. We've lost you again, Sue. Oh, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry because we just know that there's a fundamentally important <laughs> question that's just about to come out there. But a lot of Amy and Sue H. A lot of these issues are shared with, uh, you know, a lot of the small businesses that we've talked to in towns and in cities, whatever. Uh, you know, from the rural point of view, though. Um, is there the feeling that rural businesses uh, haven't really had as big a voice as some of the the businesses in the cities, in the towns? I think from the through the family business network and, and the family businesses that, that we obviously deal with, um, I think it depends on the community where they live, you know, is, is a real factor to this. And some communities have absolutely pulled together and, you know, they're working together and there's some amazing examples of resilience and adversity and, and those and that collaboration. I mean, that's huge in this. It's what collaborations can happen to become stronger together to move forwards. But then there's other other sides of the communities where, you know, certainly in agriculture, um, they for some of them, you know, they just get on with it because they're used to isolation because that's what they do that they, they farm in very rural areas and so they some of them have actually said they they've really sort of felt quite removed because they haven't had that communication but then where they're missing out is and and we covered sort of I know this is an area that we're talking about shortly is you know there's the whole loneliness and isolation which cause mental health and well-being problems and and I would say at the moment within that's where the communities are having to pull together to, to help get a voice because they need that support um, because there's a much bigger issue happening here in terms of not just from a business led but from how it's actually affecting people because the far you know the farmers can't go to the auction marts they can't go to other places where they would tend to go once a month or once a week and they, they haven't got that voice to talk to so it's in some areas, yes, some of the sectors are haven't been represented, but I think actually there's more of an inner issue with these communities in how who can they talk to to feel like they're having a voice and, and sort of talk about issues they have. Yeah, I very much agree with that for sure. And I love the word that you use there, Sue, about resilience. It's one of my favourite words. And I think if we as yeah, individuals, mm -hmm. as communities, as businesses have that resilience and can innovate through these challenging times well it's half the battle really isn't it but I very much can identify with with what you're saying from my perspective and what has been really beautiful to see within not just where I'm based in Fife but in different different towns communities within the region um I've noticed for me lots of referral business from other business owners and vice versa from me back to them. And I feel 
as a small local business owner that we are very much looking out for each other in that way and really just keeping our eyes open to create opportunities both for ourselves and for others and that collaboration as well. I've had some collaboration projects in the last four months, um, which I haven't done a huge amount of before, but for me it has absolutely created opportunities, which I'm very proud of and really I feel that in in many ways I've I've thrived throughout this. That's not the case for for everybody um, and my business is set up that it can in, in this unusual circumstance. But yeah, the biggest thing for me has been that community spirit um, and how I have seen rural towns come together and support each other and support local businesses and that has been really quite joyous to see. That sounds really optimistic. Is there Mm. an opportunity here somewhere that we're missing that we need to be you know, cashing in on trying to work together on Sue S is trying to come back in again? Can you hear me now? Yeah, we can. Keep shouting. (laughs) Right. I think sometimes it may be where you are located within the country, uh, whether communities find it easy or not so easy to come together. Um, And I think also, you know, the people who live in the rural areas. And my, my nearest rural small you can't even call it a town, is eight to nine miles away from me. So there are a lot of people dotted around, and hence community is always a bit of a challenge, to, to be quite honest. Um, but, you know, taking into account the limited company, I am one too, so I suffered. I work from home, so grants were not not, not doable. The one thing that I would really like to see is that there is some grants or supports available for all of these wonderful ideas and the reshaping of small rural businesses, suppliers, etc. Whether that's having to go online, whether it is help and advice to relook at business, that something like that could perhaps be funded by government, um, because that would in turn deploy freelancers, small small businesses in the local areas, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, because we kind of know, you know, the 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 pockets are starting to become very empty and they want to see whatever they do, a return on their investment. So having an investment into the rural areas and the rural small businesses, um, probably I would say regionally varied because different regions have different requirements, I think would be an initiative that would really help not just the small businesses, but also those many freelancers and small business people, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That sounds like an, an idea. I see Simon writing notes there. Um, maybe we'll come back to you outside this podcast and see whether or not we can pull together a blog or something on this, uh, which would be really useful. But you've just said that's what you would like to see. Can I ask Amy and Sue H, what's the one thing that you think needs to be done to really make uh you know, the the rural businesses that you've been talking about, Amy, you've been talking about the innovation and collaboration and pulling together. So you've been worried about the isolation, etc. What's the one thing you would like to see the government do if there was just one thing? Yeah, actually, it's just picking up on what Sue H said, and partly because this is my background, that this is what I do. But when you mentioned loneliness, Sue, and isolation, I can see, and I'm seeing it already in in my hypnotherapy practice, anxiety, isolation, loneliness, um, mental well-being. These are enormous 
issues and it's a crisis. And obviously I feel very strongly about it. I've worked my entire career in this area and I feel that huge um, input and support needs to be given to community groups, to charities, to individuals who are experiencing all of all, all of these all of these issues. It's a big ask. I've been talking about it for years, but like you've said, Sue, this is highlighting it even more in my area where similar to what you've said, Sue S, about um, people being dotted here, there and everywhere. Um, it's very, very similar in Fife where I live, <clears throat> excuse me, um, where neighbours might be, like you said, eight or nine miles down the road. Um, and it's that to me is the pandemic that that is coming. That's an interesting way of putting it, Sue H. Yeah, I, I totally agree with everything you said there, Amy. So I'll go on a different track to other areas because um, so as not to repeat. I think one thing that um, would be really beneficial, or two things, but I'll try and keep it as one point for you, is I think clear guidelines for all businesses across getting back into back up and running i think there's a lot of gray areas still which is causing confusion and and lack of confidence in the businesses but also got to think there's a huge skill set of freelancers out there and you know is there not something that we can do for some of these businesses that do need to get back on their feet and, and a bit like what Sue said you know with looking you know is the funding that be available which helps put some of the freelancers and small businesses back in the running, really, back in business. But at the same time, they're helping some larger organisations have to make cuts and changes and there is skill gaps. So I feel that there should be something that helps fund that. Um, that those are all three really positive uh, contributions just, uh, you know, as ideas as to what we could do. Can I just say before we wind this up, last week we had Katie Matthews on the podcast um, and she was talking about the mental health issues too. Uh, she works in Northern Ireland and Katie has just been shortlisted for Young Entrepreneur of the Year at the Great British Entrepreneur Awards for Scotland in Northern Ireland region. So we really do wish her a lot of success. But if she gets that platform then I, I think, you know, she will be plugging these issues. So maybe we all need to get, you know, get our heads together and have a think about what uh, you have said there, Sue, uh, and see whether uh, Katie then can act as a conduit to uh, other people who might be listening um, and take that forward. And, of course, we're delighted that uh, Katie was on the podcast and that she's been shortlisted. And if she wins, we'll, um, you'll hear an awful lot of noise on the end of this podcast. <laughs> um, sadly there, I think we've probably uh, got to leave it for this week. Thank you, every, uh, Sue, Sue, Sue and Amy uh, for joining us. Um, what about final thoughts? Uh, Simon, I see that you have been writing an awful lot there. I'm just wondering what you're thinking well, about what you've heard. Uh He's booking his holidays. No, 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 no. Well, <laughs> I, Cumbria. Uh, He's going to Cumbria well, because Sue Sue H needs the tourists. Yes. Yeah, yes. you're welcome well, anytime. I think that what what I would like to do for back of businesses is bring out you know uh, a set of key messages, uh, maybe ten in the, in for the autumn, and certainly what was discussed today. There are three or four 
of those key messages in our discussion today. I mean, around digital infrastructure, clarity, uh, and indeed the skills agenda. So um, you know, it's been a great it's been a great discussion, and in some ways, you're saying something slightly different because you're in rural areas, but you're actually also echoing what an awful lot of our small businesses are telling us. Absolutely, Declan. What uh, what What's do we need to keep the week ahead? <laughs> well. Mickey, you and uh, some of our other uh, brilliant contributors this week mentioned that one of the uh, issues facing businesses uh, in the countryside, in uh, small market towns and rural towns, is a lack of finance. And there was some research done on this by uh, a financial lobby group that speaks for the City of London, ironically, the City UK. And it says that all the bank lending over the next year, 30% of that, is going to be invested in businesses that are in London, in the capital city. 15% will be in the southeast, 10% in the east of England, and then every other part of the country will get less than 10% of all the total bank lending. And it's suspected that this regional imbalance is also playing out in the coronavirus rescue loans. Now, we don't know for certain what's happening there because neither the banks nor the government will tell us they've been blocking freedom of information requests for the regional breakdown on their lending. Uh, but we have you know, the chief executive of the Chamber of Commerce in uh, Cornwall, Kim Conchi, saying that they instinctively feel that there's an institutional bias against places like Cornwall when it comes to the bounce back loads and the Siebel, the larger business loads, because they've, they've seen against... because Mickey, they've they've seen a lot of businesses that could qualify for the bigger loads for the Siebels not get them and have to take the smaller bounce back Probably, loads yeah. instead because that's all there was. Yeah, and also they they've warned that um, the, the the sea of debt that's building up in companies, small companies, is somewhere in the region of £100 billion. That's all got to be paid for. And if it doesn't, guess who's going to pick up the tab? You got it, the taxpayer. Yeah, but the taxpayer can afford to pay this back over a long period of time at the moment because the interest rates are low. You can't be complacent about it. Well, you know, we build out the banks. It's, it, it's not impossible for business to be supported by the taxpayer in this regard. The other big issue, and it hasn't gone away, is Brexit. Don't forget the transition period runs out at the end of this year. Many businesses want a trade deal in place to avoid a rise in costs, uh, to avoid excess disruption. Michel Barnier, the EU's chief negotiator, was in London this week for negotiations and he walked out of them saying the British aren't serious. They're not making any sort of concessions at all. There isn't going to be a deal at the end of this year. And the chief UK negotiator, David Frost, says we've got to get ready for no deal. I don't think it was him. I think he had a face mask on and we didn't recognise him. I think he's uh, he's fobbing it all off. Is that the face mask they're selling at Eurogolf Club? Michel Barnier face mask, three for 20 quid. <laughs> Throw darts at, yeah. Oh, dear, I can feel another podcast <laughs> coming Collapsing. <on. laughs> 
<laughs> oh, thanks ever so much, uh, everybody. Sue H, Sue S, Amy, Declan, Simon. Uh, even thank you, Mickey. <laughs> <We'll see. laughs> if you want to take part in a podcast, if you want to tell us your story, if you want to just make comments, contact us at backinbusiness.org.uk is the email address. Find us on LinkedIn. Find us on Twitter. Uh, we are business underscore backin. And next week, we're talking to the people in the events sector. So we'll see you then. Thank you.